episode 215, The Hullabaloo Around Chargemasters, with practical advice for hospitals to fix yours. Today, I speak with Caroline Znanik from Luna Health. American healthcare entrepreneurs and executives you want to know. Talking. Relentlessly seeking value. On January 1st, 2019, CMS mandated that hospitals must publish their charge masters. A fracas ensued. In case you're unfamiliar, hospital charge masters are kind of like the price lists or the rack rates that every hospital has in their billing office. If you talk to hospital CFOs, they will largely tell you that charge master prices serve as a starting point for negotiations with insurance carriers. So in order for hospitals to get the highest possible price in these negotiations, their charge master price has to be higher than the highest rate any insurance carrier in their market would possibly pay. Because of this, and because of how charge master prices were historically compiled, the prices on them tend to be exorbitant. The hospital CFO, if you continue to talk to them, and I am making a sweeping generalization here, they might continue to assert that charge masters are, in quotes, play money and don't really matter because most people have insurance. And so the charge for the service will be whatever the negotiated rate is, not what the charge master says. I have an issue with this. And here's why. Ripped from the headlines. John Stockman's medical bills topped $1 million. What happened? That's from the Wall Street Journal a couple of weeks ago. I'll tell you what happened. Charge master-based balance billing happened. That's what happened. Basically, this guy, John Stockman, had a heart attack and was taken to an emergency room out of network. His insurance paid 50 grand, and then John Stockman got a bill for a million more because, as I said, he was out of network and received a bill at charge master rates. Or charge master rates less some percentage, which did little to right-size the exorbitant rack rate. John Stockman is not alone. Patients without insurance or who get out-of-network care or who haven't met their deductibles yet may get charged a price which is based on the charge master rates. Medical bills are the number one cause of bankruptcy in the United States. In 2018, for the first time, the average family paid more to hospitals than they did to the federal government in taxes. Charge masters matter. At a minimum, they are the anchor or the reference point for the negotiations that ensue. Today, I speak with Caroline Znanik from Luna Health. She offers some practical advice to help hospitals begin to fix their charge master issues. My name is Stacey Richter, and this podcast is sponsored by Aventria Health Group. Welcome to Relentless Health Value, Caroline. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Just kicking things off here real quick. What is a charge master? A charge master is a master list, and some people even refer to it as like a menu. It's a list of items, services, procedures, pharmaceuticals that are charged to the patient. So it includes information specifically, uniquely to identify that particular item. It gives you a price associated. It's really a data file when it comes down to it. You were talking basic finance math here. The The cost Correct. is the cost of goods and right. the charge is the price that you are selling the goods for. Correct. Or attempting to sell the goods for. So it seems like there is a imperative here to ensure that the charge master prices are higher than any insurance carrier would be 
willing to pay. Correct. What has happened over the years is that the reimbursement methodology for Medicare has become more complex. They started providing payment in more of a packaged or bundled type reimbursement. Relating that back to charge master pricing, back in the, let's say, let's pick on the year of 2000. In 2000, it was very much the industry standard that you would charge two or three times Medicare. I would say the, the majority of hospitals were in that range. There was a Time Magazine article in 2013. They speak to how pricing as items were bundled together really overinflated the overall charge. And that's still a struggle that we have today. I may go into a hospital and look at their pricing and say, okay, I know how you got here with all of the packaging, all of the logic that Medicare's thrown at you. You didn't align your pricing methodology with those changes. That's why you're charging $60,000 for something that Medicare may pay $5,000 for. Well, at the same time, it could be working out for them because there's some payers that are paying 800% of Medicare. Very few. I don't see that. And then we also have the issue, which is incredibly troubling, that if you're a, you know, just a patient wandering in who happens to have the misfortune of being either out of network or a self-pay, the charge master prices apply. Correct. And, and the argument there you'll hear from a lot of the financial executives at the hospital is that we provide a self-pay discount. Do they? They do. However, that self-pay discount, as they're increasing their charges, the discount doesn't increase. Let's say that, that someone is getting paid the 800% over Medicare and they have that price in place, that charge. 40% off of that is really not a large discount. Yeah, and that goes back to the issue that many, many guests on this show have articulated well, which is the idea that if you're all you're doing is looking at the discount, you're not looking at the absolute value. You're, Correct. You can get yourself in all kinds of trouble. And that's just, you know, you can get yourself in all tr kinds of trouble if you do that in any number of areas. Exactly. It gets to be a struggle, but I, I've heard all different kinds of things. I've gone to hospitals before and said, your, your charges are so overinflated. They no longer make sense. Having that conversation, they want to see examples, right? We can start looking at just simple services and saying, okay, how, if Medicare's paying for this lab test at $10, can you defend your $600 charge? But what would be the impetus to reduce that charge? If I'm sitting here as a business owner, I've got a lot of things to do and a lot of priorities and Medicare is going to pay what Medicare is going to pay. What would be the justification for actually taking the time to go through my whole charge master and right size the charges? Public perception. It's getting to be more of a consumer need of being able, now that the prices are out there, it's questionable when you can compare to other hospitals. I know we'll come back to if I can compare as a consumer to other hospitals, but let's say I can. Being able to understand why that lab test is $600 at my hospital, but down the street, it's 40 and being able to defend that. There's the perception out there, even at the, the finance side of things, a lot of the executives is that we're a large hospital. We're academic. We're known for this. It doesn't necessarily mean that that lab test cost anymore. In that particular case, 
the hospital is kind of like, well, we stand by our $600 charge because if we lower it, then people's perceived value of our services are going to decrease. On the flip side, I can definitely understand the ramifications of the public perception um, notion that you just raised in that there's been several articles in the Wall Street Journal recently. There was a big one in the Times about individuals who had a heart attack wound up in the emergency room and then the patient got hit with literally hundreds of thousands of dollars in balance billing because they were out of network. And I'm sure that patient was paid charge master prices, maybe less 40 percent or whatever they were. But given their exorbitancy, I can really see how there are eyes on this right now. And there's reporters that are digging through. So, you know, maybe your average consumer is not able to sit there and study the CPT codes and understand what they mean. But if reporters get this in their teeth, there's definitely some issues that could surface. Was that CMS's intent with requiring hospitals to publish their charge masters online as of 1-1-2019? My personal opinion on CMS's attempt, and I've worked with CMS before on some pilot programs and different initiatives, is they're not prepared yet, and it likely is a political reason, to be able to go to hospitals, because it would be a large effort, and say, this is how you're going to structure your prices. And this is what we expect to see. They're providing more guidance on what is covered and what is chargeable, but not how to charge it. So for example, inpatient room rates, why you would see a variance at neighboring hospitals for the same type of rooms. Why would we see a large difference? It could be the charge structure or the charge methodology. Hospital A could include everything that happens to you at the bedside in that room rate. So they understand that I may be providing you oxygen. I'm going to be checking on you at regular intervals, which I'm required to do. I could be doing some minor bedside actual surgical procedures, maybe assisting a, a physician with a procedure that's bedside, like a, a line placement, where hospital B separates out those items. So they have the room rate. They have a nurse procedure-assisted separate line item that they charge for. They're charging for all of their bedside supplies. So if you take their charge masters and put them side by side, you're going to see different room rates because the methodology is different. Given what you just said about CMS recognizing that perhaps there's some methodology issues that, that they're not necessarily prepared to deal with at this juncture, was mandating the transparency of the charge master was the first step in a master plan? <laughs> So having worked with them before, I think it was a bit of a passive-aggressive move. CMS identifies that there, there's definitely regional differences in the payments. In a passive-aggressive manner, they're putting it out there, I believe, in the hopes of creating more transparency and of competition within the certain markets to bring attention to the pricing variances between like hospitals in a market and just within themselves, without Medicare's involvement, start to make changes and really look at their pricing methodology to revisit it and make more sense and relate it to the cost of care. There's that research by Zach Cooper, Colorado, for example, which was the, the poster child for lower Medicare costs per patient was one of the highest costs for privately insured patients in the same exact area. The difference, though, from a Medicare's perspective anyway, wasn't that the Medicare charges were necessarily higher 
i.e. the you know fee-for-service line items weren't necessarily higher in, in Colorado. It was just that the patients were receiving lots more, you know, as volume of services they were receiving was just much higher. You know, it kind of goes back to the fee-for-service, I guess. If you pay for volume, mm-hmm. you, you get volume. If I'm a hospital and I'm hearing all these things. And, and obviously, what I'm my takeaway from this conversation, Caroline, is that there are a lot of incentives I'm seeing to keep charge masters high. I mean, why wouldn't I, honestly, w- with the exception of public perception? That would be the one constraining force that would, as a hospital, make me sit down and really contemplate what I was doing here. Otherwise, you know, it's kind of like get well again is good. Did I miss something? So I think the incentive and from what I've heard from several financial executives, and it's usually, it's a healthy debate is I take the side of the consumer prices. And if, if I were sitting in their seat, I would want to go, when we start talking about the benefit of having high charges for negotiation with the payers, and, and that's a big one, is we sit on two different sides. They want to be able to go to the payer and say, contract with me in the, in our services and I can give you an 80% discount. That sounds great. Well, yes, it does sound great, but my prices are ridiculously done. (laughs) So I can give you that 80% where I sit on the side and say, wouldn't I would rather go to the payer and say, I am this amount even over Medicare, or I am look, this is my methodology. I'm looking at my market. I'm looking at my cost. I'm looking at my patient needs. And this is how I'm appropriately priced. We need to get away from, I'm just discounting. I'm discounting. The perception of of consumer, it's, it's a great bargain because I got it on clearance or I got it on sale. But we should know enough now that we know whether it's a hospital charge or I'm going down the street to buy something that I see a big storefront that says you know, blowout 60% off and I go in and, and I look at maybe a chair and say, well, I would never have paid any more for that anyway. Now it's appropriately priced at 60% off. And you feel like the universe is getting wise to these charge master shenanigans so that hospitals that are lagging and they have these charge masters with just these wild prices that are wildly conceived of, there's going to be negative repercussions that are going to begin to occur because people are smarter than that at this juncture. It's going to take a lot of, and and I'm glad to see there's a spotlight on it now. And I think going back to why did CMS create this rule, it wasn't, and I, and I speak to my peers about this. For me, this initial baby step was not for the consumer. It's for the payers. It's for the hospitals to realize where they sit amongst their competitors because prior to CMS requiring that to be posted, for those states where it wasn't a requirement at any level, to get peer information, you had to pay a very high dollar for it, have a subscription for it. And even if you did go through the process of paying for that information, it was dated. It was at least two years old. This gives the ability for hospitals to look truly at where they are with their competitors. And the only people that really can go out on these hospital websites and understand what is being posted online are those that live it every day. 
it doesn't make sense to the layperson. We also could be hitting a zeitgeist here as well, coming from a different, a bunch of different angles. There's a report that came out that three quarters of providers are reporting that they have been seeing a noticeable upward trend in what patients must pay out of pocket with, you know, mm-hmm. just some of the high deductible plans and, and some of the stuff that's going on in the insurance market. So, you know, at hospitals, the total revenue attributable to patient balances after insurance rose 88 percent from 2012 to 2017. So, you know, thus the New York Times, Wall Street Journal articles to this effect that the more patients are paying out of pocket, the more those charge masters actually are (laughs) the charges or even as a starting point, if they're discounted, as you said, but the prices are exorbitant, this is hitting patients where it counts. So I could see that it could be a, a, a CMS in addition to the everything that you just said. You know, it's like the Hawthorne effect. Once you start looking at something and people know you're looking at it, behavior changes. The best thing that could happen next, where I think CMS, again, without directly telling hospitals what to do, is that let's take the next step. You need to give a patient-friendly description. That's where a lot of the confusion was coming from the hospitals prior to January 1 and posting their charge masters was, well, what does that mean? Do I put my code out there? Do I, what fields do you, do you want to see? Just don't tell me just to put it out there. So now we have charge masters that are available, but you almost need a Rosetta Stone if you're a lay person to translate it. So given this, if you were a hospital executive, what advice would you have for that executive to curtail to wrangle in their their charge master at this time. When I go to, to go to a hospital and we start talking about pricing, I, I like to start with with these questions: Is can you relate your charges to your cost? Is there any relationship? What is your process for calculating your charge? Give me what that looks like. And I've been given everything from let's go talk to Sally. It's in her head. <laughs> to a post-it note. To a, I don't know. It's always been like this, and we just do a percentage increase every year to the very detailed, and typically it's a maybe an academic hospital, where they'll say, here it is. We're trying to get to cost as an industry, but it's very, it's it can be difficult. It can be a difficult task, but you're seeing more and more efforts in that piece and understanding the true cost of care, and more so to make sure that my charges are covering my cost as I may be looking at them. I worked with a health system recently where we were adjusting our inpatient rates because across the health system of their multiple hospitals, they just, just were not aligned. They didn't seem to make sense. So, for example, the lesser acute hospital uh, in a community setting had a higher inpatient rate than our trauma academic. Just doesn't make sense, right? I think it was in Dave Chase's book. He asked an executive at a hospital how they got their pricing. And he said this was a pretty common refrain. The answer was, you know, Bob and accounting made the list in the 60s and we just raised yeah. the price every year. Every year, they will increase five to six percent across the board. And the reason why it's five or six percent is because from an industry standard in our managed care contracts, You're allowed to increase your charges in total year to year, but they cap it at around five or six percent. So that's where that number comes from. It would be nice to get a five or six percent raise year over year, regardless of the consumer cost index increases. 
Exactly. It's astounding to me. It just doesn't make sense. I have to say, it it astounds me that, especially as the president of a service business, that organizations as big and sophisticated as, as hospitals have been insulated from the true finances of their institutions because of the economic model that sits behind them. What other business on the planet doesn't know how much something costs, even a service business? Right. And I'm not saying that it's easy to figure out, but we all have to do it. Exactly. How do you know you're making money at the end of the day? <laughs> it's like Frederick Taylor figured this out in the 30s for everybody else. <laughs> There's an incentive. And that's the thing that gets me is, you know what you're going to get paid for that service. Let's say it, it's a flat rate Blue Cross is going to pay you $1,000 all day long for that service. Don't you want to know how much it really costs you? Because once you know how much it costs, you know how to reduce those costs to increase your profit. So why not go through that process of understanding your costs? Because just inherently doing that study, you'll see so much fluff and things that can be cut out. Okay, so piece of advice number one is be able to answer the question, can I relate my charges to my costs? Do I even know my costs? That sounds like a very arduous task, though. You know, is that is that something that's like a five-year plan? You know, like you got to start in one department and follow people around with stopwatches? Yeah, it does involve some time studies. It definitely does. I would say look at particular areas, inpatient services, inpatient room rates. When I say I'm charging for room and board, what does that include? Am I including my procedures, my oxygen, my supplies? What what does that mean? And then look at the costs themselves. And there are certain methodologies. I could speak for an hour just on inpatient room rate. (laughs) It's not an easy exercise. What is number two on your list of questions to make sure that hospital executives can answer in order to get their charge master under control? So the next one would be, do your charges make reasonable sense? Do you feel comfortable? And I've had that conversation across the table to CFOs. If you were to be questioned, if a payer came in or a patient even came in and said, I know Medicare only pays $10 for this test. Why are you charging $600? Do you feel that's reasonable as a consumer yourself? Or do you feel like you can defend why you're charging so high for that? Yeah, Or a reporter at these days. Exactly. Do you feel that you could do that? And if you can't with great confidence, you question yourself on that piece of it. Another one is, do I have varying charges for the same CPT code? And so that CPT code was that unique identifier similar to like a SKU number. So let's say, for example, it's a minor surgical type service and I can perform it in the ER. I could perform it on my hospital-based clinic. Why would I have three different prices for the same thing. Because really, when we've done cost studies on similar situations, there may be a small difference because maybe you pay your ER staff more, you know, the overhead may be more because you have to continually have that area staffed. But really, for that procedure, at the end of the day, it wasn't a large enough variance to be able to defend a separate price. So that's something that we look at as well, is if I have the same CPT code, why do I have different charges? Okay, so number two is, do my charges make reasonable sense? And do I have varying charges for the same CPT code? What is number three on your list of questions which must be answered? Do your charges reflect the intensity of the procedure? So this is pretty basic. Is if I have um, a group of procedures that are done and they grow in intensity because it may require a larger wound size or a specialized piece of equipment, it's the same procedure, but it can be more complex. As it becomes more complex, do my charges reflect that? Because we've seen in some instances only because of the way APCs have played out and that 6% increase across the board every year that they become misaligned. 
And so if you think of it from a transparency standpoint, and I look at those group of line items, they no longer relate even to the resource and intensity of the particular procedure in the description itself. That sounds like some good common sense there. What is um, number four on the list? So my charging for routine items and services. So um, it's funny, my, my grandmother actually, she found up in her attic an old hospital bill. I, ha- I had a copy of it for years and it was, I kept it on my desk because it was just comical. It would have, you know, it would have food. You know, it had all of that listed out and that's how things used to be charged. It really was anything you consumed during your hospital stay. However, now a lot of those items put into the room rate, Medicare's guidance still is a little gray in this area of what they consider to be routine. What is something you can or cannot charge for? So the industry has really more defined that throughout the years. So for example, I wouldn't expect if I had a welcome kit, let's say, for example, when I go to have a baby in labor and delivery, that I'm going to be charged for that because every patient gets that item. So we're making sure that we're not just compounding charges on a line item basis because we're capturing all these routine items that we shouldn't be charging for. I had one client that you go into the hospital, let's say it was emergent, you didn't expect to be there, you end up staying overnight, you'd like to brush your teeth, right? As everybody may. They hand you a toothbrush, the hospital would charge for that. They were charging for slippers. They were charging for soap. I mean, they were charging for everything. Chargeable items at the end of the day are items that are helping to diagnose or treat you. The toothbrush is not diagnosing or treating you. It's a convenience item. So we want to make sure that we're not charging for those. There is one more question on your list of six questions. Are your common items egregiously priced? Should your patient shop at Walmart first? That's what I I call the Walmart test. Um, Because again, it goes back to public perception. And I I receive healthcare services and I'm probably the last person you want to send an itemized bill to because I will audit it (laughs) and take a look at it. People always talk about the $5 aspirin, right? Because that's something that as a consumer, we already know what it costs. So to see it coming back to us at a ridiculous price is questionable. Those are the things you, you want to look for is something that is really going to be identified by your average consumer and could be questionable because they can buy that down the street at their local drugstore. Whether it's I've seen Band-Aids charged before. I've seen people charge for cotton balls even at crazy prices. I, I don't even know how you would price out a cotton ball, but they found a way. You find for those health systems that are aware, at least of, of the, what do we call it, the Walmart test, those are items that they'll just say, you know, those we'll consider routine or we won't charge for those separately, but they're wrapping that up somewhere else. So maybe it's in the OR charge, it's in the room rates, it's part of your emergency room visit charge. If they find a way to, to put it into a charge that makes sense without having a line item associated to it that would otherwise be questionable. But are they still charging $60 for the cotton ball that's just buried now? No, it's part of the, well, I guess it technically they could. Some of the examples that I've seen are in lab where they're simple tests, they're high volume tests. They may be paid by Medicare to the $10, $20 range. And I've seen thousands of dollars in charges for those. That doesn't make sense. I don't know how you could possibly defend that pricing. 
Well, I can see how it happens because if they're using the methodology, right. Bob figured it out in the 60s and we're just going to add some percentage every single year. I mean, yep. five, six, seven percent times 50 years compounded is $60 for a cotton ball. So, right. yeah, it's not hard to do the historical forensic math there and figure out how we've come to this point. There are still some hospitals out there that stay strictly as a markup over Medicare. And so if Medicare doesn't pay for it anymore they say, okay, well, what, what's something similar? Or they figure it, they just kind of figure it out on a judgment call, basically. Well, if Medicare changed the amount or they changed their methodology for that particular line item, the hospitals aren't going back and, and adjusting. They're not looking at it year to year. So it, this is definitely, it seems to me, one of those areas where if you're going to game the system, it's eminently possible to game the system. Definitely. So it has to be people that are doing the right thing at the hospital level and really contemplating this, that there are humans that are affected by these charges. I mean, it's not a game and it's not play money. Insurance carriers have achieved year over year profits to the point that they're using excess profits to like create venture funds and do all kinds of stuff. Right, exactly. There really hasn't been too much concentration on the pricing piece along the way, other than let's just make it high. We're not losing money necessarily from our payers. We know that because we were so far off on our prices that there, there's no issue. And because the patient population hasn't necessarily been pushing back, there really hasn't been a reason to go back and revisit. And I think that's where we get back to that CMS is like, here, here's the step to start get this let's start getting this conversation going. But you're not going to engage your consumer and your patient in that pricing transparency mandate until you get meaningful information out to them. Got and it. some of them, some of public you know, patient advocacy groups want to see more. They want to see what payers are actually paying for certain services. Here's the interesting thing. If I go to a hospital today and just as a general rule, say, extract for me your charge master file. And by the way, add a column and tell me what each payer pays. It's not a simple exercise. So that's the issue of having, to, if you tried to add that to the mandate, because you have some payers that may pay by case rate, they may pay a percentage of for a certain group of services, but they pay fee schedule for another. So it's not that simple. And they're all different. So my my different managed top managed care payers could all have different methodologies and different methodologies for the same product at two different hospitals down the street. That's the issue in the consistency, but that's more of what I think the patient advocacy groups want to see. The consumers themselves want to really understand. I had an interesting conversation with a gentleman that I've worked, worked with years ago and, and he's in a service role now. We were talking about consumers actually using the charge masters and questioning the hospitals, he said he had done work in states where this was already in place. And he had actually asked as part of his services to a lot of the billing directors, how often patients would call and question the prices or even call about the prices. And they said that it really didn't happen. The idea of the patient shopping around wasn't existing. So again, why is that information out there? It's not necessarily for the consumer. Caroline, where can people go for more information about Luna Health? So certainly you can reach us on our website. There's a contact us page and that's uh, at lunahca.com. Caroline Zinanik, thank you so much for being on the Relentless Health Value Podcast. Thank you for having me.
Links to everything discussed on the program today can be found at RelentlessHealthValue.com. If you visit the website, RelentlessHealthValue.com, you will also find a complete listing of all of the shows that we have published thus far with leading entrepreneurs and executives in the healthcare space today. Another cool feature is, you know, you can subscribe to the show so that every week the episode is automatically sent to you so you don't have to remember to go to the website to download it. Thanks so much for listening.